0: G'day, I'm Barry Green. Thanks for joining me on Conversations on Radio WA 87.6 FM in East Perth. My next guests are Ian and Di Haggerty, who farm at Molleran on 65,000 acres, and uh, they've gone down a different path in uh, their agricultural practice. Di, can you tell us a bit about uh, how your practice differs from what's generally done these days?
1: I guess it's sort of evolved over a period of the last 20 years, Barry, where um, we were trying to look at ways that we could facilitate more of the natural processes in our farming system and originally the focus, and still is, has been on um, the microbiome and animals. The animals have been the key leaders of what we do and over time we've really um, been able to understand and respect uh, the wisdom that livestock have within a, a natural system system their ability to choose the right nutrients to maintain their own health optimally but not only that to maintain the gut microbiome health um, and transfer that throughout a landscape so their ability to sense what's required in all different parts of the landscape and where to access that provided there's a biodiverse fodder selection for them has really been quite transformative for us in our understanding of how things interact and integrate so um, yeah I guess that's where it's Um, a little bit different so we can still include cropping in that equation but everything really is delivered through the animals and the microbiome into the soil and transferred throughout the landscape so that's what creates the fertility for our cropping programs as well so the, the plants are able to grow with nutrient diversity and microbial diversity.
0: So rather than chucking on NPK fertilisers, nitrogen, potassium and phosphate, you're working more with the composts and, uh, and worm extracts so that you're, you're stimulating the, the natural um, activity in the soil.
1: Yeah, that's right, Barry, because, I mean, at the end of the day, um, Western Australia has got very old soils, as we're all fairly, you know well aware of, and um, so we're trying to reintroduce, I guess, a diversity of um, fertility through things like compost and worm liquid, but also just when you talk to scientists like Walter Jenner and he describes, you know, the evolution of that microbial system function that's occurred within these aged soils and become highly efficient at accessing nutrients from diverse locations. Yeah, it's really quite an amazing thing to learn over time, and to see how that can result in really healthy plants and really healthy animals once that's um, facilitated.
0: This is interesting, and. Uh You've been working with a, a baker in Perth. Uh, you, you talk about the biome, and there's in the last few years, there's growing understanding in the, in the importance of the human biome in human health, and it's all about the biology. Not just we're not just a bunch of chemicals. It's the biology that makes us up, and that uh, it comes from the food we eat. Now, the baker you're working with in Perth, uh, Di, tell us a bit more about how that's going.
1: Yeah, Mark approached us. He'd been to Denmark and um, got a lot of learning about sourdough baking and understood over there that they had direct relationships with the farmers to access the quality grain and getting it as fresh as possible to the consumer or to the eater, I guess you might call them these days. But um, yeah, so Mark sought us out understanding that we were doing um, regenerative type agricultural with our farming system and then understanding even further the natural intelligence side and... He wanted to source this grain for his bakery, primarily because his ultimate passion, I guess, is to get the most nutritious, freshest product to his customers. So what we were doing out here really fitted everything that he understood. We've had chemical residue testings and mycotoxin testings, heavy metal residue testings, all that kind of stuff we've done on our grains, and it's all been free of any of those problems, um, at which you know can be across any soil type, whether it's organic or not, there can still be heavy metal problems or whatever else, but the fact that our microbial system's functioning so well, all those toxins are prevented from being taken up by the plant. So Mark, when he understood all this, thought, well, that was the greatest way that he could get the best food possible to the people that come to his shop. So yeah, he comes out every few weeks and gets his grain, takes it down to Perth and mills it fresh. On site and within the next day, um, it's baked and provided to the customer. So it's just been a wonderful service he's provided. I think an amazing
2: thing Barry has been um, since Mark's been doing this with the grains. It's just really surprised us all, all three of us, that um, just actually how how his product actually performs. Um, you know, and it's and it's showing us different things when it's been baked and. Uh, milled with its integrity in a stone grind mill and used fresh you have a performance and the different characteristics that's there you know how it'll um it'll start to activate with the cultures just very quickly and you can bake it quickly and when when you see it side by side with a with a standard product it's, it's chalk and cheese how it's going so it's really really proved to us that um, the integrity of it and the customers, just in their feedback, you know, from, from their buying power, has, has just been amazing of how it's performed.
0: That's interesting, and this is playing on Western Tourist Radio, or Radio WA, which is a tourist radio format, but uh, right at the moment, this is being recorded in August. Uh, 2020, tourism with Western, within Western Australia is exclusively West Australians, and if we can use this period of time to connect with the people in the city and uh, encourage them to explore regional Western Australia and value the food that we produce here, uh, that's all going to be a good thing. So tell us uh, the, the, the name of the baker, where people can find these products.
2: Well, it's uh, Mark Trades' as Miller and Baker. He's in um, Lake Street, North Perth. And um, yeah, no, it's a great, great little business there. A really interesting thing, you know, proof of, um, of, of good quality produce and how it can perform is, you know, Mark started in, I think it was in the December um, of 2019. And then, of course, COVID has hit in early 20. And um, being a brand new business, you would have thought that that business was going to be in a lot of trouble. And, um, and it was far, it was dead the opposite. You know, people came and sought very good quality produce and um, the business has just gone strength to strength. So it just goes to show by sticking to those true values of, of top quality produce and the consumer can sense what, what, what they are eating and there's a great knowledge being, being built about the benefits and the medicinal properties of quality food and grown the right way, um, stood to test the test of time and how the business has gone forward and strength to strength
0: you're saying that uh, some people with gluten intolerance uh, are able to eat this so there's something else going on there uh, on the on the gluten front diet
1: Yeah, certainly it hasn't been scientifically documented but um, on anecdotal evidence from um, just some of the people that have been going in there have been really keen to have a try even with um, a gluten intolerance and finding that they've had no digestive upsets as a result. So that's been a really exciting outcome and when you look at some of the science that is being put out there now um, into the area of gluten intolerance, uh, they are linking some of that with the way the, the proteins are formed within the grains, plus also um, how the grains are grown, so whether they has had, you know, chemical treatments or whatever else it might be, and, you know, perhaps there is a linkage to... Um you know, the fertilisers or whatever else that might have been applied to those grains and how the amino acids are, are formed. So um, certainly an area of research, but anecdotally, um, the people have been that we've come across that have gone to the shop and tried the, gra- uh, the bread um, have reported that. And I, th- I guess some of them had confidence with trying that because some of them had actually travelled to other countries like Italy and Greece and eaten bread there and said, well, how come I can eat it over there without any problems Um, but not here in Australia or America? But, um, yeah, and now they've been able to find that they can eat this bread quite happily without any complaints.
0: That's very interesting. I guess it's a case of we don't know what we don't know and uh, our system of science is based on... Uh, the companies that are doing the science profiting from it and so there's some things they don't investigate because they don't want to know. People have sort of been conditioned to believe that uh, food should be down down on price but of course anything that's cheap is cheap for a reason. We really need to be able to get some sort of measure I guess of the real value of food and not uh, because just because it looks the same it's not to say that in terms of nutritionally, it's. Uh, it could be chalk and cheese. Do you want to make any comment on that diet?
1: I guess one thing that COVID has brought to a lot of people's attention is the importance of health um, and the importance of the, our environment that can create and enable that health. And part of that, one of the most intrinsic factors is the food that we eat, the water that we drink and the air that we breathe. And so we've got to be really conscious of the purchasing decisions we make and how they may impact all of those things. One of the critical things I guess then is building immune system function so that we can deal with um, things like these pandemics and COVID may be just one of many that may continue to unfold into the future and what we need to do as a society I guess is trying to ensure that as many of our um, citizens have got Really good immune system function, and part of that is having a really good diverse nutrient profile in the foods that we eat, plus that microbial, microbial uh, profile, so that we can ensure that our our health can buffer ourselves against any of these, um, you know, viruses or bacteria or whatever it might be that actually can um, strike at any time. And that's where we've got to really look at some of the foods that we're eating, and are they a, a potential medicinal food or actually they're going to detract from our health. So um, there's a lot of science going into that awareness now, but, um, yeah, it's something that we really have to be looking at from our purchasing decisions and with young children and so forth, how we are setting up those children for their future health. Um, And when you look at the field of epigenetics, um, how critical that is with um, even parents before they've even had the children, how their diet and health can actually impact the following generations or even a couple of generations. So there's a lot of stuff coming out now that's really indicating that. So our, what we purchase and how we spend our money now on supporting our own health has huge ramifications into the future for our whole family and, and the society as well. So really we do have to look at it. We don't want to be just buying some cheap gut fill. We want to be buying something that's worthy, worthy of eating and worthy of our life. I
2: think people soon, people soon realise... Um, when they start eating nutritious food that um, they 're actually more satisfied and um, and it doesn 't take long to actually get into that, that that system of actually craving for for good quality stuff and they 'll have a sandwich or eat whatever they eat and if it 's nutritious food they 're satisfied for a long period of time where they realize well it 's just been crap that they 've eaten they 're going back looking for more food and I think this is what you know is increasing our health problem, the obesity problem um, that we have you know and 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 you can actually eat less of it, of better quality stuff and and get the, the desired results. And I think also with COVID and the environmental um, issues all around the world that the media is putting out there is a lot of people are getting very aware what their purchasing dollar is doing and the side effects that it's doing. So I think Mill and ba- Miller and Baker has been a, a huge um, example of it as is nevertheless the quality of the food that they're getting but the story behind the food that is being produced, the environmental outcomes, Mark's linking that shop with the farm out here and the environmental footprint that this farm is having and you know people like to see that's what their dollar is, is going into supporting as well.
0: That's terrific, we all have choices, we can choose to spend a little bit more on food and uh, if it's better quality you might not need as much so... Uh you could end up cheaper but uh, you know we also have choices in where we spend our money whether we spend it on overseas holidays or, or fancy imported four-wheel drives or or investing in quality west australian food for the future of our, our next generation
2: absolutely yeah it's it, at utmost importance and i think as we start that trend It'll just be like a freight train. It'll start to roll, and it'll it'll get faster and faster, and get and gain momentum. And um and then what that will also lead back to is the um, environmental outcomes that we can link with that. And um I think this is where it's really interesting. You know, with our our social media we've got these days, we've got to rebuild that connection with the people, with the land that their food is getting grown on, so they can actually take interest in that. So um uh, their, their systems being put in place so people really feel a part of 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 what their purchasing power, of what they are doing, that they, they feel that full connection right the way through.
1: Just along those lines and I think that's where it can be a wonderful opportunity for regional revitalisation because as people um, perhaps in the city start to realise um, these food quality linkages with the producers that are growing those foods for them, they're going to have more interest in wanting to go out to those areas and explore and I guess certainly some of these areas like the Wheatbelt that um, you know haven't got huge um, tourism going on presently but there's a lot of opportunity then for um, local business to develop with millers or bakers or microbreweries or whatever it might be where the food that's grown is produced on site and sold on site so that there can be more of the, I guess, the foodie tourism perhaps going on and so over and above just the natural beauty of our landscape that we've got out here that we can really combine a lot of those things together and have a really true, rounded experience for people from the city coming out.
0: That's fantastic, Di, and that's what Radio WA, Western Tourist Radio, we're all about agri-tourism and uh, we're actually on... Ian and Dyce farm at the moment. We've had a lovely drive through the wheat belt. It is sad to see some of the towns so much, uh, you know, history here and and not the people. But uh, agritourism, I believe, has a great place to play um, from a, a money point of view. But much more important than the the money in the in the towns, it's about getting that communication going between farmers and eaters again. Uh, any stable system needs a feedback loop, and the, the supermarkets have pretty much destroyed that feedback loop and they've used advertising to uh, uh, convince people about the, the products they're selling, which maybe are, are somewhat lacking.
2: What we've noticed here with this operation is we're seeing a change in um, people that when they do have exposure out here and we've actually had in our own experience of people have actually changed their whole career paths and are actually coming across to the farm and and looking at being part of the operation and, and, and doing other Agri production enterprises, um, where they've just been in a, in a, a city-based um, environment. So it's opening a whole world of opportunities up to people out here. And as we get more of those people out here with completely different skill sets, um, we're going to attract more again, and the whole thing will start to really take up. And since and another interesting thing, since COVID and people travelling locally, you know, we've just noticed out here, you know, this, this property here. You know, is about the same distance from the middle of Perth to what our southwest wine wine region is, and um, and and of course you know how many people travel down to there. But um, we're seeing the, the big instance of more caravans. So it's starting to get into wildflower season. People just coming out to these areas, and I think it's going to open up a whole new dimension of people wanting to come to the. You know, we're on the edge of a pastoral country out here, and explore, and they'll start to get that knowledge of where that food's coming from.
0: We were talking about uh, closing this uh, feedback loop, uh, Ian. Your son's embracing uh, new technology and social media to get the message out there. Do you want to tell us a bit about that?
2: Yeah, a really interesting thing to ask, Barry. My son, Matthew, is in Year 12, just finishing Year 12, and he came up with the idea of actually giving uh, information of actually what actually happens on property in the food production system and the environmental outcomes that are happening here of how to actually get that back to friends of his and people in the city in general of what's happening, because he realised after going to boarding school that there was a huge divide um, between the city and the country, and the lack of knowledge of actually how their food was getting produced. So he started doing a series of dis um, uh, exerts on um, on TikTok. It actually is, and um, and I just thought originally, you know, being from old school ourselves, you know, this this just isn't going to work. You know, you know, it, there's going to be nothing in this, and. I've been proven really wrong. Um, You know, I think he's got over 25,000 followers now and he just does snippets on the day in the life of the farm and any environmental things he sees on processes of actually how we grow things and it's just gained momentum and the interest and I've had adults' parents come and approach me and saying how wonderful it is. You know, they're all looking forward to seeing that that linkage to the farm and I think this is just a new thing of actually how we've got to... um, get those relationships going and new forms of, of doing things.
0: Well, that's a terrific story. And I guess our radio service is old school, but it's, uh, it's also on uh, SoundCloud and we'll be doing podcasts and, and bringing all these new technologies and old technologies together and the young people embracing it, that's the future. You know, we, we're, we're the history, it's the young people of the future, and uh, I think uh, the way I look, like to look at things is what we're doing isn't for us, it's for our grandkids, and uh, so and it, we will be handing over to them and let's hope we can hand this planet
2: over in better condition than what we took it on. Absolutely, Barry, yeah, I think that's essential. And when you talk about new new, new technologies and, you know, we're, we're probably in the older, older style of it, you know, it's what's happening on this farm as well. You know, we're running the latest of technology um, in all our machinery and the latest latest equipment, but we're combining it with the most basic forms of agriculture to prove it can be a crossover of the two. And then I see what's happening with the social media and how Matthew's explaining what's happening here, I think it's a really exciting place to be at the moment.
0: Well, on that note, Ian and Di, thank you so much for your time and
2: uh, we look forward to further conversations in the future. Thank you, Barry. Thanks for uh, taking the time to come out here and the Eastern
1: Wheatbelt out at Mulleran. Yeah, thanks, Barry. It's been a pleasure.
0: I've been talking to Ian and Di Haggerty. You've been listening to Conversations on Radio WA as we tell the stories of people and places in Western Australia. To hear this and conversations with other West Australian movers and shakers, visit touristradio.com.au slash conversations.